Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. And so as we get into this morning, I am so excited to have you. Maybe you're stepping in for the first time and you're new to Glory Church, or you've been coming for the past like two weeks. I don't know if you know this, but we, uh, we love to honor first-time guests. So maybe you're here as a first-time guest and uh, you're stepping in and this is a new place to you. We actually have a gift for you. I realize that you could be in so many different places. Uh, you could be sleeping right now. Many of you, uh, you would have loved to sl- sleep in this morning, but you're here, and we actually have a gift uh, for you. All that that you need to know is that there's a connect card under your chair, and if you fill that out with as little or as much information as you want, uh, you can hand that in at a table. Maybe you saw the black table with the little tumblers, the Glory Church tumblers, and then the little miracle study. Those tumblers are a gift to you. So if you would like one, it's, it's for you. So fill out that card, hand it in to the, the lady that will be back there, and it's yours, all right? We just love, I, I realize how scary it is. Many of you have just been watching online for a long time, and finally the confidence to come into a new place. Thank you for being here. I realize how scary it can be to come in to a new place. But this morning, we are talking, as you can see, as you can read, we're talking about miracles. Maybe you heard that we as a church are starting, we did a 40-day study starting last Wednesday. So we're like, what, five days into it uh, for the season of Lent. And this morning, we're carrying on Jesus' miracles. If you read the study, you got three miracles down already. The water to wine, uh, the official son where Jesus healed, and then uh, him casting out an evil spirit on the Sabbath. And those are the first three. If you want to check out that study. It's also at that table. We'd love for you to join in with us, but I have a question as we get in. Have you ever seen a miracle? Have you ever seen a miracle happen? Have you ever seen with your own eyes, those two eyes, a miracle, maybe a healing or a powerful, redemptive experience? Have you experienced a miracle, a glorious, unexplainable thing? The honest reality is there is a large majority of us who would say no, who would say no, who would, who would doubt what they have seen, who would maybe discount what they have seen. I'm praying as we dive into this for miracles, not just the miracles that we see in scripture, which are valid and true, but the miracles that, that we overlook all the time. I'm praying for miracles. It's interesting. I had a conversation this past week at our men's Bible study. Goodness, men, you should come with us, all right? It's early, but we have some good conversations. So I was telling them about the miracle study, and we were talking through it, and we were talking about this, and a statement was said that I think what hurts us is sometimes our understanding. Our understanding hurts our ability to believe. In fact, sometimes the the amount of things we know in life hurts our belief. It fuels our disbelief. And so one of the things, one of the we're talking about how um, even knowing that a broken bone takes X amount of days, months to heal, that knowledge sort of sets us back, and we don't even think about a miracle because we know the healing process. We know. I think this is why Jesus tells us to have a faith like a child, you know, who, who's like, I don't even know what the day is today, but it's going to be good. 
I don't know the realities. I don't know the responsibilities of life, but I'm just believing that it's going to be a good day. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm going to see that there's going to be some good. They don't know the, the ins and outs of the molecular structure of anything. They don't even know the concept of time. And yet there's this faith. I think sometimes our understanding sometimes fuels our disbelief. Our understanding. There's a perspective change. And so I wrote this down, and, and I, you're going to hear it over and over in this study. But what if we rely on what is possible more than all of the glorious impossibilities extended from our God? Now, I need you to realize, what if we rely on, on our day-to-day basis what we deem as possible way more than every one of the glorious impossibilities that, are, that is handed to us freely from our God. And, and if I could put it in perspective for you, if you relied on what was possible that day that you gave your life to Christ, then you would have never given your life to Christ. If you relied on all that was possible in your brain, all that you can fathom, all that the world claims is true, if you relied on what the world calls your value or your worth, if you leaned in that moment on what you thought was possible, you would have never given your life and experienced the glorious impossibility of salvation. You see, but we do this all the time. I rely on what I can see, what I can tangibly understand, and I wonder if we miss then the miracles. So we're going to be leaning in a little bit this month, this next two months, on the journey to Easter Sunday. We're going to be diving into what would it look like to change my understanding, to to change what I depend on, because the sad truth is when I get a headache, I know that I can take two ibuprofen, or if it's really bad, I can take three, right? And sometimes, pastor doesn't do this, but sometimes four, right? And it'll help, and we know that. And it's not bad that we depend on the medicine, but I think it's hardwired us in every situation to make dependencies on what we can tangibly control versus the glorious impossibilities of our God. And so we're going to lean in a little bit and learn some new dependencies this year. Uh, At the very beginning of it, we're going to lean in and learn some new understanding. My hope is that we learn uh, who we can lean on for real. I wrote this, I'm praying for a new level of trust in my person. I'm praying for a new level of peace, new level of hope, a new level of joy. And I think it's fueled by what we deem as possible. Let's open that can up. Let's believe that God can do the gloriously impossible things. How did that song go that we sang? Miracles when you move, right? Miracles when you move. Do we think that God has stopped moving? Then why don't we see miracles? Miracles when he moves. He's moving. So Jesus, give me the eyes to see, right? Jesus, give me the eyes to see. So this Lent, we're diving in. We're day five of Lent. And I'm pretty excited. Uh, If you decide to join us in the daily study, you can do so. You can also join us on social media. There's a little excerpt that you'll find there, just a passage that you can read, a little devotion that you can dive into. But what I'm excited about is on the Sundays, we're going to bring them all together. All right, so you can sit in on a Sunday and you don't have to, re- you don't have to pre-read anything. All right, you could sit in with us because we're going to dive in to his miracles, but not just the ins and outs of what he has done. Because that's one thing, to read that he is trustworthy, to read that he is, does the impossible, to read that he is a good, good teacher. 
but it's a whole other thing to sit in and personally believe it. So that's where we're going to be hashing out on Sunday morning. So join us weekly. I'm, I'm excited for this, but every week you will be hearing a very bold statement from me that we can call our title. I don't know if you take notes. I love taking notes. So take notes on this, but if you want to, if you feel like titling things, this will be the title and you'll see a bold statement like this every week. And I just, I think it's because it's going to press in on our dependency problems. And so we're not going to like it very much. You know, we're not going to like hearing it very much. But for this first one, if you want to write a title down, write this. We say we want a miracle, but lack real repentance. That's what we're titling this. And you're like, oh, pastor, that one's a little, that's a little blunt. That's a little blunt. Now, before you put up your walls and sink back and say, he doesn't know me. He doesn't know how much I repent. He doesn't know me at all. Like, lean in with me. Because personally, I've dealt with this. I don't teach my children how to truly repent. Right? Like, we don't teach it. Which then means, in Sunday school, I was taught repentance as a I'm sorry for sinning kind of thing. But that's not repentance. And I think over time, we grow up with this notion of stop sinning repentance. And what if that, you'll see, is what blinds us from seeing what Jesus is really doing. Repentance is so connected to our inability to see miracles. So we want a miracle, but maybe we lack repentance. Repentance. So I'm going to leave behind the word miracle for a little bit, but I think you're going to see the connection because when I say repentance, it's not just saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. Repentance is not just come to me, all you who are weak and weary, and, and I will forgive your sins. That's not repentance. Repentance is so much more. Repentance is not turning away from sin. It's not choosing to end that struggle or to stop that bad thing or to seek forgiveness. It's so much more. In fact, we often think that repentance is just turning away from a sin, right? Turning away from. And we we hear this because it's that whole, you've heard, if you've heard anything about repentance, you know it's the whole make a 180 degree turn away from that. And so we have this, this motion, this idea of what we're turning from with repentance. But we miss the beauty, the humility the power and what true repentance is, because it's not just turning away from, but if you want to write this down, repentance is also about turning to, turning to. Now, if you're like, oh, I know that. No, but listen, Jesus said over and over and over, his mantra, if you know anything, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And you know you have a trouble with repentance when what you hear when I say that is this. You ready? Repent. Turn away from your bad things because God is near. That's what our world wants us to believe. That's what, like Sunday school, repent. Ask for forgiveness because he's here. But the beautiful thing, what Jesus is saying, was repent. Because the kingdom of God is near. And you could see it if you repented. It's not about the repent in, in, the, in the what I'm turning away from. It's so that I can see that the kingdom is near. And if we always look at what we're turning away from, we'll miss the beauty of what is near. 
And so there's this understanding problem that we have with repentance because Jesus was not like, your sin is prohibiting me from being with you. No, he was saying, your sin is distracting you from seeing me. So turn to me is repentance. And that's why we don't see miracles. Because we have a, I want to end my sin kind of problem. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your sin. Can I just tell you I've done that? And it only leads us to nastier versions of our sin. Like, honestly, think about it. Turning away from your sin is just going to lead you to a nastier version of your sin. You're going to turn into like a Pharisee. You're going to be arrogant. You're going to be, you're going to turn into a bigot. Like you're going to turn, you're going to have an exclusive circle. Because when you turn away from your sin only, you're going to start being judgmental. When you turn away from your sin, it only gives you a nastier version of another sin. I wrote this down, selfishness, or even worse, self-reliance. When we, turn, when we just try to turn away from our sin, we become really self-reliant on what I can do to say no to that. That's not repentance. It's not repentance. And now hear me, we can understand this practically. Here's a change principle. You'll like it, it's, it's, you know this too, but every change demands an exchange. Like hands down, we get that. Every change demands that something is exchanged. We exchange this for that in order for change to happen. I'll say it this way. When you change from being a single person to a married couple, those of you who are married, that, that exchanged something, that yes to her, to him, that yes to a new job, that yes to that thing involuntarily and intentionally said no to a lot of other things, right? There was this exchange. I am taking this that means nothing over here. You know, it means a no to everything else. And it's the same thing when you turn down something that intentionally and involuntarily means that you're turning to something else, right? We get it. There's an exchange that happens in order for change to come. You want to eat healthy, you, you know, you put down the fatty foods and you pick up the good things, right? We get it. There's an exchange that must happen. But write this down. The problem that we run into with repentance, the problem that we run into with repentance, I don't know if it's a slide, but this, you ready? The problem that we run into with repentance is that we want the change, but we define the exchange. We want the change. You want to take that slide down, man, for me? We want the change, but we define the exchange. See, I asked him to take it down because all of you are like reading over there, but no, you need to hear this. You ready? You want change in your life, but you still word what that change is going to be, what you're exchanging on the outside. I'll, I'll do it this way. I've had so many questions, so many conversations with people, and these are the things I hear. Are you ready? I'm not doing that anymore, Greg. I've decided to spend my time on more productive things. I'm like, cool, cool, man. Or this, lust hasn't been an issue since we got married. I mean, now we're focusing on us and on each other. I'm like, cool, bro. That's going to help. Or this one, my trust problem has been maintained lately. My trust problem, I mean, I just guard who I'm around and I guard what I say when I'm around them. I'm like, cool, girl. You can just keep doing that. Or this one, I still get angry at times, but it's been less because I've learned to focus on the good things in life. All right. 
Or I deleted all those apps because they've led me down the bad to, to, to places I don't want to be, but, so I'm just now spending my time with other people. Okay. Now what I need you to understand is I have heard so many evangelical Christians say statements like that, but what we don't understand is without Christ defining the exchanges, they're simply just us moving from a bad thing to what we deem as a better thing. And no change has happened in our heart. I understand you're not lusting like you used to, but man, that's not going to help anything. I understand that you're not on those apps anymore, but just hanging out with other people is not going to change anything. I understand that that change of scenery is nice and and it has caused you to not think about that anymore, but that's not going to do anything in the long run. We understand this, but yet we still do it. We still do it. We want the change, but we define the exchange. Now hear me, none of those things are wrong, but the hundreds of cases that I could give you, we neglect what Jesus can do if we just turn to him first. And I know that's a hard thing to do, but repentance is difficult. In fact, uh, our lives, we, we can never be the one defining the exchange. So I found this definition of repentance, and I hope you have it. Uh, I found this definition of repentance, and it is just stuck with me, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. And, and it, if it's not up there, I will just keep saying it so that you can write it down, because this is powerful. The definition of repentance that I have found is this, to allow Christ to change our mind's perception, our heart's disposition, and our soul's purpose. Did you, did you hear that? I'll say it again. It's re- real repentance is allowing God to change our mind's perception. Write that down. Our mind's perception. Our heart's disposition, and our soul's purpose. Notice when I said that, I said nothing about repentance is turning away from your sin. No, real repentance is allowing Christ, because involuntarily you have to leave your sin to turn to Christ. No, repentance is allowing him to change your mind's perception, your heart's disposition, and your soul's, your soul's purpose. So let me explain this a little bit. The best way to define perception is this. How you see things. How you believe them to be. How you feel based on what you see. Or the running definition. Now, we're going to talk through this a little bit. I'm going to explain it. We're going to go through a little scenario. And then we're going to open up to the weirdest passage I've ever preached on in Luke 11. So be ready for that. But when you say, Jesus, I want repentance... Let's put this in the perspective of a woman asking for repentance from an eating disorder. We gotta, let's, let's make, it, make it personal. What you're asking is not Jesus, forgive me for my eating disorder. Help me to not do that anymore. Real repentance is this. Jesus, change how I see things. Change how I see my body. Jesus, transform how I see my food that I eat. Change how I view the weight. Jesus, how, it's how you believe them to be. Change how I believe beauty to be. Jesus, reshape what I believe food to be like. Jesus, how I feel based on what I see. Jesus, change the feelings when I see a beautiful woman that I want to be like and I envy. Jesus, change the way that I feel when I see food. Jesus, change the way that I feel when I see a mirror. Jesus, Jesus, change the way I feel. 
That is repentance. Jesus changed the running definition that I have of what is beautiful. Jesus changed the running definition that I have of value or worth or health. Jesus, you redefine it. Repentance. Because repentance changes your mind's perception. But it also changes your heart's disposition. In the word disposition, I had to look it up. I had to look it up. It's a little strange. It means this. It's the natural order of your thinking. Do you know we all have natural dis- dispositions? What, how you got to that? How you got from A to B to C to D? And some of us are like, your thinking's weird, right? It's all disposition. It's your go-to tendencies, your way of arranging things in your day. So if you have an eating disorder, you're not going to make that exchange without saying, God, I need you to change the natural order of my thinking. Because I plan the day and I plan what I eat based on who's going to be around me, what I'm going to wear that day, who I'm going to be with, what I'm going to do that evening, if there's a bathroom close to me. And I make all these decisions based on those things, but change the natural order of my thinking, Jesus, because I need something new. I want to change my go-to tendencies, Jesus. Change what I go to when I see that or what I go to. Change those things. The way I arrange my day around this, no, let me arrange my day around you. That is repentance of this. It's so much deeper and truer, but it also changes your soul's purpose. And the way that I want to define purpose, your ability to see that there's value in this exchange. Your ability to believe that there's value in this. Your ability to create a change from it. So I'll tell you, one of the most humbling experiences of my life um, when I was younger was I was about a year out of a very dark place. A year out of it. And though I was not doing that which I had done in the dark season. I was in a place where I was strung with the memories, the past, the regrets, the guilt, the shame. And I remember very bluntly a pastor preaching on a stage and him saying, there are some times when we think, and I need you to hear this, there's sometimes when you think you are done with a sin, but the weight of insecurity, the fear, the guilt, the shame that you still have today proves that that sin isn't done with you. And it hit me. Because this is the hardest part, is to repent, is to truly say, I'm gonna believe that I have purpose despite that. Because that's what I was dealing with. I had a year of saying, I am, though I've asked you for forgiveness, and though I, I, think, I think you've forgiven me, I still think my purpose is limited because of that then that's not real repentance. Do you understand? It's not about what you're turning away from. It's about you asking Christ to transform how you view yourself, how you view your quality and character because of that. He's a woman who should be thrown stones at. And real repentance had nothing to do with her turning away from her sin, but getting up and living differently because he gave her the value to. Like, it's so beautiful. There's a purpose attached to it. And so it's the woman with the eating disorder just saying, no, Christ is seen in my weaknesses. So I'm not, my purpose is not hurt because of what I've done. 
In fact, every time I talk about it, like I'm still, I'm still have scars because of it. I still have wrong thinking because of it. But every time I talk about it, I see the image of Christ. So I boast all the more in it because it's not about me anymore. And you know what? She's discovering purpose. Purpose. This is what repentance is. It's the change of perception, a change of your disposition, and a change of your understanding of your purpose. Where you could say, I am new. And then you'll start realizing, I actually have a lot of girls around me that are struggling with this. And I'm not perfect. Like, I could speak into it because I have purpose despite it. In fact, because of it. You see, that's what real repentance is. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. You see, repentance must bring the change to our mind our heart, our soul, or we will never see that the kingdom is near in that thing. So now for the Luke 11 thing, all right? I think this is going to draw home. It's the weirdest passage I've ever spoke on in my life, all right? So we're about to get there, Luke chapter 11. But if you were with us in studying this week's text uh, on um, the miracle study, on Friday, you just read Jesus healing a man who had an unclean spirit. It was on the Sabbath, and the man came, and in two words, Jesus called out that evil spirit. All right, so put yourself back into reading that devotion if you were there. All right, this is a beautiful time where Jesus just demands for this man to be healed, and in two words, the spirit is gone. So now in this conversation, in Luke 11, Jesus tells a parable that gives clarity to what happens if we choose good things and call it repentance versus exchanging it for Christ. You ready? It's weird. It's going to be verse 24, Luke 11, and he's saying this to the Pharisees, the Jews, the Gentiles around him. He says, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, and you're like, well, this is a strange way to start. It wanders through waterless regions looking for a resting place, but we're not finding any. It says to itself, you know, I'm going to return back to the house at which I came. And so verse 25, when it comes, it finds it empty. The house is swept. It's put in order. And then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and live there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. And then Jesus is done with the story. And you're like, what? (laughs) He's done. He's done. But this, is, this message is exactly what we've been talking about. And let me un- understand it for you a little bit. Let's call it the unclean spirit of pornography. Now, I don't know if this is really how things work. All right, we're just, it's a parable. So we're going to lean into it. You ready? The unclean spirit of pornography left this man. In this recess of his heart, he left it. And so it hasn't been dealing with that anymore. And so naturally, time goes on, and this man gets a job. He he cleans up his life. He he, he moves on from childish things. Maybe he meets a girl. Maybe he gets married. Maybe that area of his heart is swept and clean and maintained. He has the good job. He's living a good life. And all of that is going well because it's well-maintained. The house is swept, put in order. But notice there's nothing dwelling in it. So the unclean spirit of pornography comes back and finds, wow, this place is clean. 
and spacious. I'm going to go get my friend envy and deceit and treachery and adultery. And we're going to come in together because it's empty. Wow. And we wonder why good godly Christian men still have adultery is because they make good choices and clean up their life. But we don't deal with heart issues. And so that issue that we thought was done with comes back and just realizes, oh, you just haven't done anything. And so I'll take over again. But what if, I like to play the what if game, what if that spirit of pornography that went out comes back and starts seeing that that area of that heart and that guy it looks unrecognizable to it. I mean, the thought process that he operates with, that that unclean spirit used to just sit in with comfort and stretch out and abuse all the thoughts that it could, it's not even the same language. The unclean spirit's like, I don't understand that. I don't have any place in those thoughts. Or let's say the natural order or the go-to tendencies of that man that the, that the unclean spirit can naturally take steps with and everything. It's of a different, completely different location. And the unclean spirit's like, I've never traveled there. I don't know that. The tendencies are gone. I don't, I don't know that language. I don't use those words. That's written in a different way, handwriting, than I know. And what if the purpose of that man's heart had changed? The order of their thinking that was so easy to sit in, sit back into as the unclean spirit. But most importantly, what if it comes and dwelling inside that area of that heart is a strong man that has swept clean and made righteous that area. A God that this spirit knows, not only is he worthy and holy, but I cannot be in proximity to that. I have no place here. Not just because his thought process is different, not just because his, his dispositions are different, but because that man is there. I don't have a home there. And he leaves. You see, the beauty of repentance is taking, and this is, this is not what I'm talking about salvific-wise, all right? You can have a redeemed soul, yet have areas of your heart that have not been repented, and so that sin struggle's still there. What repentance is in a Christian life is to constantly take this and say, Jesus, I don't just want to turn away from it. I want you to change my perception to it. I want you to change my disposition to it. I want you to change my beliefs surrounding it. I want you to change my purpose through it. It's one thing to have your soul redeemed, please. Like, that's what we're here for. To see lives go from darkness to light, but as the kingdom of God, we need to now have this ongoing relationship with repentance so that we can see and call people to know that the kingdom is near. The kingdom is near. Repentance is so much more. It reinstates ownership, we can say. Some of you, you're still the owner of that area of your heart, and that's why you've made the good decisions, cleaned it up. But you're not allowing Jesus to dictate the daily process. It's re-allowing and re-exchanging and restating ownership. 
We're not just cleaning out the cobwebs our own. We're asking Jesus to take residence in that. Change it. Redeem it. And I will tell you, that sounds weird, but no one is above repentance in the room. No one is above it. I think the most dangerous thing we can do is sit in our life that is well-maintained and swept and forget that that's not repentance. It's not. Some of you need new definitions. Others of you, you need new perspective change. Some of you need a new lens. Some of you need to say, Jesus, forgive me for how I feel about the way that I see things. Like Jesus changed my feelings associated to it. Some of you need to realize that the sin struggle that you're not doing anymore has stretched far and wide onto different areas of your life and you need help redeeming those. I think that's some of the hardest things is all (laughs) our sin from the past, how it just clinged to so many different facets of our life, our identity, our sense of uh, connection, how we respond to other people, how we bail when we get scared, repentance touches all of that. And so I got five questions for you as we end, and it's really hard to to think through how do you end and do a takeaway for a message on repentance other than just saying, hey, do it. (laughs) Hey, repent. But I have these five questions, and I'm going to say them one at a time. At the end, you'll see all five of them. Maybe you want to take a picture of it with your phone. And you can dive into these later. Maybe if you're, if you're watching on the podcast afterwards, uh, you can pause every time to answer it. But these are the five questions. And the idea of repentance, what do you need to see differently? And what I love about this is outside of the context of this message, you could have just blown off and said, I don't know. I don't know. But I fully believe that this message, God has set the soil intended it for you to know right now what is one thing that you need to see differently what's one thing that you need a new perspective of the second question what are some definitions that are more connected to your sin than they are to truth think about it you know your your issues you know your things of your past that you've asked for forgiveness for it's not about forgiveness It's about asking God to change the definitions that are now more connected to the thing you're not doing anymore than they are to truth. So Jesus, redefine my thinking. Give me new definitions for that so that I can act from those. Question number three, what are some natural thoughts that you have in your day that are more informed from your past sin, we could say, than they are from God's grace? Why do you keep reacting like that? Because it's your natural thought. It's the way you've structured your day. It's the way you've structured your life. Repentance has nothing to do with what you're not doing anymore. It has everything to do with saying, Jesus, change my natural thinking. Oh, I could get into it so much. Like, I'm just so annoyed of our evangelical culture that just says, you know, boys are just boys, so they can think like that. No, that's a natural thinking that must change through repentance, right? Like, oh, oh, it's just okay. That's just how they act. No, that's a natural thinking that must change through repentance. Is it more informed by your sin or God's grace? Question four, what go-to tendencies need to be changed by him? Number five, this is about your purpose. 
What might he be wanting to do through your weakness today? What purpose? Some of you still feel the weight of all that you did. And it has limited your belief of what God can do. You need your soul's purpose redeemed. You need repentance for that. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. So glory family, can I just look at you right now? Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Do you realize that to your left and right and behind you and in front of you are people a part of the kingdom of God? That if you feel like repentance or this journey of a new definition or this journey of a new perspective or a new disposition is hard, realize the kingdom of God is near. You're not supposed to do it alone. Lean in. In fact, that connect card, if I can draw your attention to it, Write a prayer request. Maybe you want to say, I need some counseling or I want to talk through this or I have a perception problem and it's just so much. We'll repent because the kingdom of God is near and we're here for you. So do it so that you can see that you're not alone. So maybe you can write on that card. You can say, I want to join a small group. I I would like a prayer for this or here's my phone number. Will Will someone contact me? We're dealing with this in our life. You're not alone. Jesus, right now in this place, you are here. And where you are, you work. And where you work, miracles happen. Glorious impossibilities happen. So God, I pray right now for a glorious impossibility. That there would be hearts that are so set in their ways and they would realize that those ways have been set by sin and not by your grace that there would be hearts in this room and and it's not about a soul thing, some of them it is, but it's about an aspect of their heart that they have clung to and have not sought renewal from. So take residence in the areas where I want to be prideful. God, take residence in the areas where I want to sink back in insecurity. God, take residence in the areas where I want to be fear-based. Take, take residence in my anger. Take residence in the places where I want to control. Take residence so that my perception changes, my dispositions change. I get a new purpose in that area because your kingdom is near. Your kingdom is near. So Jesus, get the glory in this room as we repent. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.